Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Buffalo Bills Maybe Next Year, the podcast that prepares really, really hard leading up to game day and tries to work to make sure that we can put together one good segment after one good segment after one good segment. But inevitably, it's three good statements and out, and that pretty much defines <laughs> this podcast. So but without further ado, I'm Paul. I'm Scott. I'm Frank. Yeah, I was debating how to how to frame that, but the the whole point is is like, man, you hear all week the offense is – first of all, we'll initially start, of course, recapping what happened on Sunday with the Bills. What was it? 20-13, to 13, I think, was the final score yes. of that loss mm-hmm. to the Texans. I tried to blank out the actual final score. But, boy, from a perspective of, you know, the offense had an extra day of practice on Monday. They didn't get the day off. They, they prepare and prepared, and then they seem to have things under control. And then uh, the, we've got to come up with a nickname for the we, – do we call it the Peterman effect? Do we call it the, the Peterman hypotheses? There's something to describe it's the like phenomenon. Maybe it's a, it's a phenomenon almost, the Peterman it's, phenomenon. It sounds like an episode of the Big Bang Theory if you've ever looked at their show titles. They're all <clears> – <throat> vaguely scientific like that anyway sorry right well the the, the bill's offense is also vaguely scientific <laughs> i would say and theoretical the, physics right it's collapsing into a black hole ever so quickly i think that is the the point i was driving it's it's, it's 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 so untalented that it actually is collapsing the talent of the defense around it and sucking it in on itself this is actually perhaps the most devious plan to be to defeat the Patriots ever is to simply suck all of their talent into the black hole when they play them and, you know, basically trap Tom Brady forever in a in, in the event horizon. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm sure I'm sure ESPN is uh, licking their chops for their Monday night game in two weeks with Tom Brady against either Nathan Peterman or Derek Anderson, more than likely. So more street quarterback. Yes. Yes. What's what's uh, Matt Castle? What's what's Kyle Wharton? Can he unretire? You know, who else could be? Colin Kaepernick's had a hard time finding a job. <laughs> oh, Oh, we went there. That would yeah, be, that would I be was incredibly just awesome. If the Bills signed say, Colin can... Kaepernick and started him on Monday Night Football <laughs> against Tom Brady. I think the world would collapse on itself. That's a black hole. Yeah, everyone, everyone yeah, drink. The, the truly part would be to sign Colin Kaepernick and then still start Nate Peterman. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Somehow, Vontae Davis is going to start this game of quarterback for the Bills. That's that's where it's going. So, all right, we won't stray too much further from the Texans game. Frank, we'll start with your thoughts. I'm not going to – I'm just going to give you a blank slate. Bills, Texans, go. Yeah, I mean, to be to be fair, I didn't watch the game live except for the last two minutes where I had – was in the car and I got the update that it was – it was uh, I guess it would have been 13-10 Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got back home and it was 20-13 and Nate Peterman was trying to lead them down the field. And I had – no, I, I knew that uh, Allen had left the game. Um, but in reviewing both the stat sheets and, and kind of the highlights of the game, um, I think that what shouldn't be lost in this abysmal game is what really was a really good game by the defense. Um, I mean, easily seven points aren't their fault. If not really kind of 13 by the time you, you, we talk about block punts and, and other nonsense, um, so, you know, they really sort of held Houston's offense to six points. They couldn't just about barely do anything, you know, given, you know, Deshaun Watson, obviously 177 yards, but two picks sacked seven times. I mean, they couldn't 
they couldn't stop the Bills' pass rush. Uh, and so it's doubly disappointing to sort of uh, have that happen. That said, I think that the lesson to take away here is this. You can't win football games reliably this way, right? Like how much better was the defense going to play? You've got your running backs and, you know, if you can't pass the ball, you weren't, you weren't going to win the football game. Now, if Josh Allen stays in the game, um, if Nathan Peterman doesn't throw a devastating pick six, like if they just are more cautious with the ball, like it might've been one of those times where it would have been better to simply just, you have the lead. And even if you have to run it for seven minutes, the defense was playing well enough. I, I might've trusted them to do that. Um, so really a failing in my mind, not just of the offense, but kind of the, 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 the coaching staff. And what I know we will get to later is a, a truly like, this is the, this is the, uh, DEFCON five. I think that's the worst one. Um, it's the, uh, it's the other way. So this is at least DEFCON two, if it's not DEFCON one, uh, for the team in the front office, this was, this is both, um, the exact awful wrong thing that Scott predicted could happen did happen. Um, and all of their chickens coming home to roost because Nathan Peterman was the only other quarterback on the team. Um, but I, I just, I guess I will reiterate, I don't want a good game by the defense lost in what was a truly horrific game. Uh, otherwise, and I'll let Scott get his thoughts in. So I, I, uh, I didn't listen to anything Frank said. I spent most of my time thinking about last week how I said, you know, credit the coaching staff for figuring out a way to win close games. And yet here we are <laughs> manage, managing to get a three point lead with 10 points left with 10 minutes left and 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 idling away and uh, and and managing to not managing, but specifically throwing the game away uh, on the on the arm of one young Nathan Peterman. Um, I was funny. I was. I was watching the, I was doing the game cast thing and I was like, oh, Peterman's in. Oh, that's terrible. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, um, he, he threw the touchdown and I'm like, oh, oh, cause I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but like that was one more touchdown than Josh Allen had thrown that day. Right. And really for the last like two, three weeks, that's more than one touchdown than Josh Allen's thrown. Um, but then, of course, he he ended up Petermaning it later. Um, so you know, <laughs> QB controversy avoided. Step one, <laughs> bigger problem. We have no quarterbacks on the roster. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I agree with Frank. Obviously, I, again, like a really good effort by the defense. Um, I don't want to get too high on it just because it was the the Texans who are not kind of, you know, like traditionally going to be kind of a team that we're really going to be thinking like that's a that's a playoff team no doubt um but you know so, hey a win's a win um for them uh on the defense in the sense that this wasn't actually a win but they played well so they played well so they played well i can't think of where that gets us to um but anyway i think yeah it was a good effort by the defense we can go into the special teams another terrible day on special teams um pretty much cost us uh i think 10 in the block, the block field goal and the well, well, we've lost. We've temporarily lost Scott. Oh. He tends to rebound. Oh, there, there he is. He's coming. Sorry. Yeah. That's no, okay. I, 
I thought I heard you guys fade out, which is weird. Um, anyway, the but the special teams also lost us uh, at least ten points, right? Probably. Yes. Oh yeah. I was saying. I was saying that right that between the offense and the special teams that they blew the game, not so yeah. much the defense. And so, and again, that has to go to the coaching staff as well because again, we we knew these were problems that needed to be fixed, and there's only so many kind of great individual performances on defense. Um, that will let you kind of win these games. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if Josh Allen wins this game if he stays in there because even the way he was moving the ball, um, you know, I don't think we're going to score a touchdown, even with the field position that, that Peterman had and eventually turned into the touchdown. Even if we get three points out of that and we don't turn the ball over the rest of the game, I still don't know that that's enough to win the game. So, um, you know, it's it's tough to do hypotheticals, but um I don't know. Paul, over to you. Yeah, some, some good points you both raised. And, and one thing that you had said, Frank, is that, you know, you just can't consistently win football games this way, which goes to Scott's Facebook comment on this game, which was essentially, how did they lose? Oh, yeah, 229 yards on offense. So that was – this is a it's, – it's not a sustainable recipe for – success and it, Scott did point out last week hey they found a way to win games and yes they, they can occasionally win games like this there is no doubt that they can but when you have the special teams let you down like they did the blocked punt the big returns even the underrated aspect of after the pick six when the Texans player I forgot who was went and humped Calvin Benjamin in the end zone mm-hmm. and the Texans got a 15-yard penalty and punted or kicked off from their 20 the Bills managed to flood that kickoff and get tackled at their 12. So really a complete special teams failure, and I don't want to lose touch of that. I do blame, starting with special teams, I definitely blame the coaching. I, I want to start with special teams because I think they're the most overlooked problem with the game. I think it was a bad coaching week. I still have general faith in Danny Crossman, one, because it's just one game, and two, the fact that he is seems to survive, you know, one one coaching regime after the other indicates to me that he must actually be fairly good. His job in the Bills have ranked very highly in special teams generally over the years, but whatever he did this past week, he did not have them focused. And that certainly falls squarely on coaching as Scott noticed offensively. I mean, nothing was good about the game. I defended Dable the last, last week after rebounding from a bad Packers game the, his plan this week was uninspiring. You might've heard some, the video or seen the video of Jerry Hughes coming off the field at the end of the game and cursing about, you know, practicing all week and running jet sweep after jet sweep or something along those lines. So he was clearly annoyed with the yeah. offense's inability to to help out a defense that had to do even mention the number of sacks. Wasn't it seven sacks? Yeah, the I did. They, they sacked them seven times and two picks. And yeah. so seven sacks, two picks, three, three takeaways total. And yet this is a game you end up losing. And you look at the pass interference calling gains at the end. I think it was legitimate. I was a little bit frustrated because one, you could have called an uncatchable ball. And two, if Gaines turns around, that's either an interception or incompletion. All he had to do was turn around. It was Mm -hmm. not a well-thrown ball that if he didn't interfere with the guy, it was going to be caught. So that was frustrating. But then the defense with a first and goal to one ends up pushing the, the Texans back and back to make them settle for a field goal. And the only area I want to differ I don't know if I differ with Scott on this. I think I agree. He said that, you know, if Josh Allen's in there, we're still not sure if the Bills win this game. I would agree with that. I would say, however, that I don't see him throwing that pass to the flat that gets pick six. And I think if he does, he throws it so blisteringly hard, it misses everybody. I don't think (laughs) 
you know, I think it ends up being just an incompletion. So I think the Bills could have lost differently, maybe if they had, uh, if Peterman had not been in there. But all in all, I mean, not too much to add to the general narrative. Special teams was terrible. Don't overlook that. The offense has been, you know, I read a statistic, and this is not in- incorrect. The Bills offense is now the second worst ever when you based on the advanced stats going back to 1986. So 2004 Dolphins were coming for you to be the worst offense in history. So that was, uh, you know, the offense was bad. And the defense, you really hope, they're, they're third in DVOA right now. You hope they keep it up. They've got some big challenges ahead. The Bills can still win some football games with this defense, but in order to be a championship contending type team, this offense needs to get fixed really quickly. And speaking of championship contending type teams, let's talk about the quarterback position and specifically the performance of the quarterback who took over for Josh Allen in this game. We'll start with Scott this time since we started with Frank before. This is kind of a separate topic, but let's face it, it's related to the Texans game related to some overall impressions of the team. So like I did with uh, with with Frank the opening segment, Scott, Scott, I'll just say, Nathan Peterman, go. Yeah. Um, so let's 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 talk briefly about Nathan Peterman. I guess like if I'm bringing him in and I'm the coach, this is what I'm this is what I'm telling Nathan. Nathan, I really like you. And that's probably what McDermott's saying. Okay. I really like you. I think you're going to be a great QB coach one day, maybe a great um maybe even a great head coach. Um you can't play in the NFL, so we're cutting you please leave. Like it's a pretty short conversation. Like he is not a great quarterback at all. He is not even a good quarterback. He's not an average quarterback. He's a bad quarterback. He is a quarterback that makes me want to have like Kelly Holcomb play, which is not something I thought I'd ever say. Um, He, I hear the bills have signed him just now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I'm struggling for the words to describe how bad he is. I think it's also frustrating. It's probably more frustrating because no one, the only people who don't think this are apparently Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. Like they're the only two people who don't get this. I'm pretty sure most of the team doesn't get this. I'm pretty sure the owner doesn't get why he's still on the team. So it's really just two guys. And I guess as it's one of those things, like as long as you're making your boss happy, I guess that's all you need to worry about. Clearly Nathan Peterman's doing that, but um, I don't know how he didn't like, he didn't just get left at the airport on the flight home from Houston. Like, sorry, Nate, the, you know, here's some money for the bus, you know, take, take it somewhere else, take it anywhere, but Buffalo, that's all we got for you. I just, it's incredibly frustrating and it's not really fair to him because he clearly is in over his head a little bit and we're putting him in positions where he can't succeed. And it, to a certain extent, we already did that with Josh Allen. We've invested far more in him and that's a separate conversation, but certainly at this point, no one's, we're not helping Nathan Peterman by making him the backup quarterback. And we're certainly not helping the team. So I don't know why we're doing this. Uh, my thoughts are God damn it. Um, <laughs> Nathan Peterman, look, I was as much as anybody, honestly, like after last year's debacle, 
willing to say that, you know what? Someone had to have the worst game that a quarterback ever had. And maybe it's just that maybe it's just one bad game and they want to keep him around and he's a cheap option. And that's fine. Cause they've drafted Josh Allen. The moment they drafted Josh Allen. Okay. Nathan Peterman's future with the team basically was obsolete. Okay. He, at best, he was going to be a backup quarterback because you had invested in, in the guy, the guy was there now. Um, it's remarkable to me that even if he won the offseason, that this team thought it was okay to go into the season with the guy who had the worst quarterback performance ever as a quarterback in one game and a rookie. And this is exactly all of their chickens coming home to roost um, because they've had weeks now since the Baltimore game. <laughs> the Baltimore game wherein they decided Nate Peterman cannot play. Okay, they've had five weeks to go and find somebody else. Derek Anderson was available in week two. Now, I guess I don't ultimately know whether they reached out to him and he, he said no, and they finally gave him whatever he wanted. But we've had weeks where we tried to skate by with just Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman. And so the fact that we're going into next week, the reason we haven't cut Nate Peterman is because he's literally the only quarterback who's been here longer than four days and uh, is physically fit to play um, is uh, entirely Brandon Bean's making. And it's also Sean McDermott's making. I, I, I've said before that I'm not sure that those two guys are on the same page on quarterback. I can't believe that the, that, that Bean hasn't put his foot down and said enough is enough with this guy. There's no reason to develop him. There's no sense in developing him. No one's trying to develop him. He's like Derek Anderson with no experience. He's, he's a, He's worse than Derek Anderson because Derek Anderson is stuck around for 13 years. And we are in a position where literally they might have to start him on Sunday because there's no one else. And I'll tell you right now, like we're going to probably talk more about Josh Allen in a minute. I've got a really fun stat about the Bills offense. Uh, and, and also um, my, I'll get to my Josh Allen points uh, then, but relatedly, if Nathan Peterman or Derek Anderson is going to be doing some extended starting for this team, my interest level in 2018 goes down precipitously. Uh, and I, any and all momentum from a, a playoff season and a, a rookie quarterback is out the window. And I, I feel like McDermott and Bean should be on hot seats already if they're not, because this mess is entirely other making. And the last thing I will say about Nathan Peterman is this is I guarantee you Nathan Peterman is Mr. Fucking Culture in that locker room. He's the king of culture. I guarantee you he prepares the right way, and he's a McDermott guy through and through, and blah de blah de blah changing the culture. And, get, trust and the you know, trust, he, is, he is just branded with trust the process on his limp arm that he throws with. And... That's exactly what trust the process will get you if you don't also identify talent. And so that is that could be really the the harbinger, um, the standard bearer for everything that will go wrong with this team going forward is that they will believe they can have a bunch of scrappy do-gooders that can't play and somehow Rudy their way into a Super Bowl. So uh, to reiterate originally, uh, gosh damn it because I feel like I probably shouldn't have brought um, all powerful beings into this conversation to begin with. Um, but it's a nightmare. He's a nightmare. 
everything about this season is now a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, let's listen, Buffalo Bills. I, <laughs> I, I get it. You know, Nate Peter and B. Clinton. You, you can't ignore that. It was November 2016. He was the, the offensive player of the week in college. He had five touchdowns and zero picks, 308 yards, and the Clemson was unbeaten, number two in the nation. So, so yeah, you, you draft a guy. You draft a guy in the fifth round. You take a flyer on him. I totally get that. And let's talk about Frank had used the term king of culture. Now, creating a winning culture to me, and I think to I think this is my understanding of the McBean process as well, creating a winning culture is twofold. Number one, you have players who work hard every day. They prepare and they have a team first attitude going into every single practice, every single situation. And that professionalism rubs off on everyone around you. Two, those players can then go out on Sunday, execute what was practiced and contribute to the team winning football games. I have zero doubt, zero at all in Nathan Peterman's ability to do number one. In fact, I think he probably does that. I'd like yes. to just quickly say that in doing number one, I feel like he does number two all over yes. the field. You, he, he I number two stepped on your joke. No, and I'm glad. I had another joke coming up, but that did not step on it. So okay. as I said, I'm like, so good. Frank can jump in with a poop joke any day. Yes. So way to not let me down. So, you know, that to me is part of the, the process. Now, you know, four times Nathan Peterman has faced a, what I would consider a pressure situation, thrown into his first NFL start against the Chargers having to come in for the Jags playoff game in the fourth quarter down a touchdown. The Ravens season opener this year, his first time starting the season as a, an NFL starting quarterback. And then this game where he comes in and puts it to him the lead briefly, makes a nice play, but then it gets tied. You know, what does he do? All four of those, he has then just totally destroyed, you know, what is, has been done in those situations. Five interceptions in one half against the Chargers. The Jags game, he stumbled his way to a first down, literally, while scrambling, then took an intentional grounding, then threw a game-ending pick. Ravens opener, the less said the better. This game, pick six, followed by the closing deal pickoff, both of those inside the last two minutes of the game. If you want to build a winning culture in your locker room, you must place an emphasis on accountability. And as long as Peterman is in there, that's not going to happen. You cannot have a, a, a winning culture when you have a Nathan Peterman in the locker room. So, you know, we, they talk about process and process, you know, you know, what else is processed spam. And you know what, you can get through a meal eating spam, but if you have it every day, you're going to die painfully. And that is what is going to happen with the bills at quarterback is Nathan Peterman is like eating spam day in and day out. So if this all the way seems like my aggravation is directed at Nathan Peterman, it's not, it's directed at, at McBean and the team. And, you know, they've, created this mess. And as Frank pointed out, they haven't had another quarterback who's been on the roster for more than one week because they dumped McCarron. If they have AJ McCarron, I have a feeling we're talking about a win in a three and three team going on the road to face uh, a limited Colts team and a possibility of going four and three and do a big Monday night Patriots game. Instead, the only thing uh, of interest I can find after this game is I read an article that if Tom Brady throws an interception on yeah. each of his yeah. next 1,000 passes, he will have a lower percentage of intercepted passes than Nathan Peterman still. So that's that's how bad Nathan Peterman is. So I feel we've railed on Peterman for a long time. So unless anyone had something to add about that, let's talk about some positive performances, Scott, and get on to this game's three stars. Sure, we can do that. Um, let's start 
uh, with our honorable mentions, as we always do. Um, this one, obviously, a bit of a defensive flavor to this week's uh, this day. Uh, excuse me. That's your segment, Paul. This day in Bill's three stars. This defender on the Bills had a pretty good day, and his name was, and I feel like, I feel like he's made it honorable mention at least once or twice this year. I think he got on the stars at one point. Jerry Hughes, um, I think, had a tremendously uh, a good game uh, for him. Uh, one and a half sacks, uh, two tackles for loss, part of three tackles, part of an overall defensive line effort, and I'll just go right into the third star. Third star, Kyle Williams, two mm-hmm. sacks. Uh, with uh, another uh, with another tackle mixed in there. Again, the Bills' defensive line led the defense for much of the day. Obviously, um, great play by the linebackers too. I'll, I'll put out there as well. Milano had a nice day as well. Uh, Edmonds had a pretty decent day. Obviously, Hyde and Poyer doing well. Poyer had a pick. Um, really a great day from everybody, pretty much on the defense, except for Philip Gaines, who obviously, again, like you can quibble about that that the the foul in the end zone, but at the same time, like. Philip Gaines is the guy who was beat out by Vontae Davis, if I'm not mistaken, at in game two. So it's not like we were... Although we could characterize it as Gaines outlost the job to <laughs> Vontae Davis for week two. Exactly. So we knew we were kind of taking a risk by putting Philip Gaines in there. So getting all, you know, can't be that surprised that something bad happens to him um, or that he is involved in a bad play. Um, but again, so uh, Kyle... Um, what do you want to say? He's 35 years old, right? 36 years old. Mm-hmm. And still, or still Alexander's 35. I'll, I'll check on Kyle's aid while you're going through your point. Uh, still, still making three stars. So, uh, even in a loss. So, so I think that shows again, and he was, he was, he was talking people aside. He was getting in there. He was, he was in on a lot of plays. Um, so your second star goes to, um, Again, it was pretty obvious this is who I was going to pick, so I don't think anyone should be that he was on the list. J.J. Watt, obviously, uh, a Wisconsin. Uh, again, it's my list. I do what I want. He's right. on the list. Be number one. You no longer try to, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. To, yeah, no. You've beaten us. Yeah, no. At this point, uh, I don't really care what you think about the list anymore. So, yeah, I mean, he. No, I mean, he had a good game. Uh, he was definitely in on. He he had one sack. He was definitely, you know, pressured uh, him at least two or three. Uh, pressured Allen and Peterman at least two or three other times. Obviously, a key part of the Houston defense. So yeah, sure, he gets a second star. I don't care. Um, come at me. Um, and then, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then your first star, I will give it to. I, you know, part of me wanted to give it to Joseph, but honestly, like, literally, he threw it right at him. Like, he, right. He, I mean, again, like, I, I have given it to guys in the past, but I don't think you get first star for just having it thrown right at you and running it into the end zone. I guess he beat him to the end zone, but he also, like, almost got Peterman, like, definitely tried to, like, hunt him down there. Like, he started high stepping to the end zone, and then Peterman, like, started running at him. He's like, oh, I guess I ought to try now. Um, so, anyway, I will give the first star to uh, Bernardrick McKinney, uh, the linebacker on the Texans, who had a sack and 13 tackles. Um, one thing, uh, again, the, the Texans defense, you know, I think the Texans defense certainly played pretty well. Um, they certainly put themselves in a position. They obviously had plenty of pressures. They obviously forced um, some of those turnovers that the Bills did have. 
Um, so I, I give it to him um, for filling up the stat sheet. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's probably about it for third stars, three stars. Or the third stars, you know. Or third stars. Yeah. I'm or a team of third stars. I'm, I'm, I'm good at the English language. <laughs> If you'd given it to Joseph, I had a, a, a comic prepare, which I'm going to make anyway, about Larry Please. Brown of the Dallas Cowboys winning the MVP against the Steelers on the virtue of having Neil O'Donnell through, throw two balls directly to him. <laughs> and Brown parlayed that into a huge undeserved contract uh, with another team. I think it was the Raiders uh, overspending at the time. So, yeah, so I think that was a very well put together three stars. So we've talked about – you know, this, these two categories tie in very well together. We'll start with Josh Allen. So there's injury news on Josh Allen. We're actually almost a half hour into the podcast. I'm surprised we didn't go more in depth into this already. But is, as of now, and I have TweetDeck open just in case something breaks, uh, no pun intended. The latest on Josh Allen is that, in fact, he has a sprained UCL and he will be missing weeks of the season. Could be this coming week, could be two weeks, could be up to four weeks, maybe even up to six weeks, but that as of right now, it does not look like he will need surgery and he will be back. However, we do not know anything for sure yet, and we have to think about what this means, the implications for this season and beyond, even if it's not a surgery requiring injury, is it a nagging injury? If it's sprained and frayed, does it then become torn? He needs Tommy John down the road, and this is a year and a half of, of football. So much could happen here and we'll kick it back to to scott first on on this one your concerns with the allen injury and also what you think it means for the team you know this year and beyond knowing at least what we know to this point yeah i mean this is hard i mean i feel like to a certain extent i've i've again i'm only concerned with what i've said before i don't care about what anyone else has said before mm -hmm, including mm -hmm. people on this podcast of course so at the beginning of the season i was very concerned about putting josh allen in and then obviously the Vikings game and, and he played okay in the Chargers game well enough to the point where you could say like, well, clearly he's better than Peterman. So on some level, there's a, there's a, an argument to put him in. Um, but, and then the Vikings game happened and obviously it was even better. And it was cause like, well, okay, well now he might be actually pretty good. And then the last three games, it's been pretty clear that actually he does have a lot of work that he needs to do. Whatever, you know, whatever uh, set of, schemes you know dayball used in those first two or three games in the first in the second and third games really to try and help him out have been kind of figured out and between the pressure and the line and everything else going on with allen it's it's too much the offense wasn't moving um nothing was really happening there so i've kind of gone back and forth about whether or not it was worth it to keep him in there because again i understand like at this point to a certain extent, the ship has sailed because we put him in as the starter. He's clearly better than he was at least somewhat more competent than Peterman. And you needed to keep the team kind of, you needed to have a third option. And clearly no one thought about signing a rookie freaking veteran until a week ago. Um, so at the same time, like this was the, this was the risk was he was going to get injured. And obviously he can still do some things when he's injured. He can still walk. He can still watch tape. Um, he can still go to practice. Um, obviously I don't, you know, he can work on his footwork a little bit, but I don't think you can really work on your footwork that footwork that much, unless you're actually going through the motion of throwing as well to ingrain it into your muscle memory, the same way that you would your regular throwing regime. So 
functionally he's missing all of this practice time which is really the thing that you're going to learn probably the most from like you learn you learn something from the games you certainly learn how to deal with with the pressure of the game you learn how to you know deal with a defense that's actually trying to read you but you learn plenty of things in practice too and he's missing all of that as well and it's very frustrating because there is so much of the this season that has been wrapped into this now like if we didn't quite start the season this way like admittedly like we thought that plenty of this season was going to be about what happened with josh allen but there were other stories especially after the first week when it's like what's happening with the defense is this defense any good turns out the defense is pretty good um you know what's going to go on with the offensive line it's pretty terrible we figured that out um but so now with those kind of things figured out the rest of the season was going to be about allen and how much he could learn whether we could figure out what we're going to know about him and so not only from his developmental perspective but also what the bills learn about him now we're going to miss those two things so I, I, it's frustrating. I don't want to do too much second guessing, even if that's the point of the entire podcast on some level, um, about whether or not he should have stayed in for this long. I don't know if you could have seriously said like he's not getting any better. We have to pull him out. I don't think that's. I don't think that line of argument really holds up either. Um, so I guess it's just unfortunate. I don't. I don't know if I'm willing to like throw everybody under the bus. And blame this on them. I, I kind of want to because obviously I have thoughts on McDermott and Bean anyway, but I don't know if I'm quite there yet. Um, I, you sounded like you came to a natural pausing point, so I will. I did. I will jump in. Uh, I think that I'm willing to to play the blame game. I mean, I've already sort of pointed out that I feel like they've, you know, they talked about wanting veteran presence in there for for him to be a teacher to Josh Allen. And that's why we signed Derek Anderson. Well, you know, like that was the case in week two and in week one and in week three and four. And, you know, so I only sort of believe it so much. I know that originally like the, the scuttle, but the, in the week leading up to this game was like, were they thinking about getting Derek Anderson ready to play a game? Because they were, they were feeling like Allen wasn't really, taking them forward and that he might learn better from watching. And it just was a matter of Nate Peterman wasn't really the guy to, to sort of learn from. Um, I mean, this is, as I said before, all of their chickens coming home to roost the stat that I'd like to just share with everyone that I tweeted out uh, during the podcast under the Buffalo bills, maybe next year handle. There are 20 individual quarterbacks that have more passing yards than the bills have total yards this year. The Bills have 1,335 yards. And if you add Russell Wilson's rushing yards to his passing total, he gets to 1,370. Um, this offense is abysmal. So a quick shout-out to Calvin Benjamin, who didn't feel like he needed to run a couple of extra routes before practice with his quarterback, who was learning. Um, I'd be happy to trade or cut him as well. Um, but I generally agree with Scott that like the, the point of this season was definitely going to be what could we learn about Allen and what could Allen learn about the position? And that's all thrown out the window. And not only is that thrown out the window, but also it could be thrown out the window for next year. Cause if he ends up getting surgery, that's going to carry over into next year. And now we're talking about the year 2020 when a handful of their young talent, this is Paul's point. I'm going to let him speak to it more, uh, begins to, um, begins to, you know, require more contract. <laughs> and so uh, I almost hope that he, I'll say this, 
I wasn't impressed with Josh Allen this week. And this was going to be the first week that I was sort of like going to say, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm no longer like, I feel like I'm not seeing any progress now. And I felt like, come on, six weeks is, you know, and, and, um, it, I, I didn't want to bury him after week one, but, and he's certainly better than I think some of the scouting reports made him out to be, but I wasn't seeing a whole lot. And so I was ready to start moving to the skeptical end on Josh Allen, as opposed to the neutral and optimistic because, Hey, I'm watching football anyway. Uh, you know, if he's going to get surgery and be out and we're going to have a good draft pick. Like, I think honestly, the best thing that the regime could do would be to draft another quarterback and just be like, and just maybe we can all cross our fingers. And it turns out that it, this really was up to, uh, ownership and they really did fall in love with this guy. And Brandon Bean can now turn around and say, that's not the quarterback we wanted. We never wanted a quarterback like that. Please let us draft the quarterback this time. That's obviously a pipe dream. Um, I don't know. It's annoying. I agree with Jerry Hughes, the the stupid freaking offense. If you wanted this kind of offense, you should have just kept Tyrod Taylor. Uh, so I don't know. The whole thing is a is a shit show. And I still maintain that Josh Allen isn't the worst part of the offense or wasn't, but he wasn't looking particularly great. And when you look at their total offense stats, it really points out that like their running game isn't there either. And that we are in a different universe than how the rest of the NFL treats passing. We are literally, I don't know, we're in the championship. We're in the Champions League and everybody else is in the Premier League. We are, we are just fucking AHL. We are, it's 1976 and we just are not with it. And there's no indication to me that anybody gives a shit about being in the 21st century with this football team with regards to passing. Steven and Tom Bills are looking. Oh, um, are you getting, are you getting zooling? Yeah. I have a, I have, yeah, Scott can give us a point while, while Paul re. Yeah. Well, Paul rejoins us in, in live in progress. Um, I think. Oh, and then you cut out. That's great. Well, I'm here and until I can hear from Scott again, I'll just continue to rail against the bills. Let me quickly get to Greg's comment on Facebook. <laughs> oh, there you go. You're back. Let me, well, let me read Greg's comment on Facebook because sure. I feel like it's, it's a good one. This might be a good time to reread a classic from the Stoics, perhaps Seneca or Marcus Aurelius, perhaps something about bearing the vicissitudes that life brings question mark. And I agree that reading is always a good idea. Yes. Um, no, I agree as well. I think, um, what I was going to say was it's interesting because I feel like two weeks ago you might have been right that Josh Allen wasn't the worst part of the offense. I'm not sure I would have said that yesterday. I mean, obviously, like Peterman coming in was the worst part of the offense. <laughs> but but before that, like we actually did run the ball OK, like like McCoy had a couple decent runs there. Like he we were averaging four or four and a half yards on the ground. It wasn't it wasn't great, certainly, but it was the way that we run the um the Titans game was just running the ball 30 times mm -hmm. and at four yards of carry, we managed to scrape together 240 yards of total offense. And that was enough. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that actually Allen was kind of the worst part of the offense on Sunday. And again, I, I get your point. Like maybe that's not enough of a reason to like completely throw out the baby with the bathwater yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did kind of enact the Kirk cousins 
um, Robert Griffin plan that the Redskins did, you know, a couple of years back when they, you know, they drafted Cousins in the third round the same year that they drafted Griffin in the first. And obviously, yeah. Griffin did okay for the first year, but then he got injured at the end and then he never really came back to life. And Cousins ended up being the guy who turned into things. I think that might have been their theory with Peterman, maybe that maybe he was the, you know, the the diamond in the rough here, but actually he's just a lump of coal. So. I think he's I think he's um you know, McDermott's long lost son, and he's going to take the penalty kicks as long as his dad is coaching. That would make so. sense. That would be like Austin Prohl, right? Because that's the son of Ricky Prohl. Yeah, son of Ricky awesome. Prohl. Yep. Right. Anyway, we have Paul back. So please. Yes. Paul. Yeah. No, yeah. When, uh, I was just thinking the Jets tried a similar approach with Petty and Hackenberg, and it didn't work out. But yeah, the, maybe it'll be the Griffith Cousins approach that will work. But what this topic transitions into very nicely is we always talk about the Bills in terms of the, the future and how the future is really bright uh, for this team with all the young talent. But this is a newsflash. We talk about whether Josh Allen is a solution or not and the implications of his injury. And yes, he was two and two as a, as a, as a starter before he got this injury, but you didn't see a lot of progress, which tended to be the frustrating thing. So if he's injured for a while, or if he's just injured for a short time and comes back, the timeline now has to be sped up for there to be progress for this team, because as much as we talk about, oh, all this new cap space next year can spend on free agents, can do this, can do that. In 2020, which is the first season we kind of look at and think this is could be a championship contending team if they approach the next two off seasons right, in the final year of their contracts will be Trent Murphy, Jordan Poyer, Zay Jones, Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano, those are just to name a few. So if you look at the entirety, I will read the entire list of, of bills who are under contract for 2021. Don't worry, this will take about five seconds. Star Ludolele, Hyde, Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Harrison Phillips, Teron Johnson, Sierra Neal, Wyatt Teller, and Ray Ray McLeod. So this window could be closing very quickly. They have a very good defense right now. You look at Trey White, you look at Matt Milano, you have you know, Kyle Williams and Lorenzo Alexander is the, the KG veterans, if you will. You have, you know, so many really talented players on this defense. And yet, you know, unless you use some of this money next offseason to extend guys like White and Milano only two years into their contracts, maybe they do that, you know, and then you figure out ways to extend Poyer and, and whatnot. This window is going to close very, very quickly for the Bills. And, you know, I lost the – I know I had a bunch of names on the agenda, which I've, of course, since uh, – Oh, since I can repaste them for you. Hold on. Uh, um, just like we did cool. with Winfield, Clement, Spikes, Fletcher, Sam Adams, Pat Williams, McGee, Schobel, et cetera. Yep, and the et cetera I added to that list. Thank you, Frank. We added uh, Angela Crowell, Troy Vincent, Lawyer Malloy, good contributing players, if not stars. Those players were all on the defense within the same three-year span or so, three to four-year span, some interchangeably with, uh, you know, uh, Malloy coming in, Malloy and Vincent coming in shortly after Winfield departed and, and so forth. But they all had, they had this such a talented defense. But when you're running an offense onto the field every week and saying, yeah, we're going to wait for J.P. Lossman to develop, and yes, Eric Moulds is getting old, but we have Lee Evans and no one behind him because we have Josh Reed on our line. We have Benny Anderson and Trey Teague and Chris Valario and this new Mike Williams tackle will be good. And you have all these players that you're banking on and they don't develop and you waste your time. All of a sudden you get a stretch of time or you have a very good defense and you go seven and nine every damn year because you've done nothing to build the offense. And the Bills window if they do, not, in terms of having cost-controlled talent, that is only secured right now 
through 2020. And I just wanted to make that that point I hope people don't lose sight of is there is some urgency for Allen to develop for him to recover from this injury uh, if the Bills are on to trying to build up for long-term success. And Frank, I don't know if you had any kind of thoughts to that point as well. No, I think you're exactly right. And I had kind of, I don't know if you heard it, but I had briefly mentioned it uh, before. Mm-hmm. I think that gets to one of the Twitter questions I want to bring in too, because Matt asks, uh, or not Matt, uh, BJ asks, would, first of all, would the Bills have been better off with hiring Anthony Lynn? He says they would. Um, but the And we can talk about that. But uh, his says, why does this cycle of good defense, bad offense, good offense, bad defense continue to happen? And I think this is exactly it. Um, it's because you get a coach that's good at building one of the things or and you infuse the talent on that side and then the window closes and nothing good happens and everybody gets fired and then uh the next guy comes in and he builds something and it it sort of switches and so you're constantly it's almost like uh the boy with the finger in the dam right like he's and you and like when you plug one and then it springs out somewhere else and that's what it is and so it i think it just it cycles because of because of exactly this because you can't stabilize um you can't stabilize a particular end of the field and the only truly stabilizing thing you can do uh is get a really great quarterback defenses are kind of notoriously hard to 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 maintain and um, offensive talent likes to get paid just as much. So, you know, I think that that sort of answers the question. And yeah. I think that you're right. I I'm looking at this and I feel like they've already missed their window. I feel like this is already a window that's over. Scott. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think the theory is, is, you know, yeah, either you get lucky with a good quarterback or, you know, like a championship level quarterback, or right. at least, or at least you can, if you get a couple, you hit on a couple good draft picks in a row when the talent level when they're at a a more affordable numbers because of the caps because of the cap uh, structures for the draft picks are all kind of slotted. So by definition, you can only pay them so much. If you can get a couple good there, then you can build up enough general level talent on the team that you can kind of be dangerous to a certain extent. I think that's kind of where Jacksonville is, is like they were Mm -hmm. bad enough for long enough that they actually did hit on a couple of their draft picks in a row. Then they went out and signed some talent and actually really put together a pretty good defense. But again, your, your, your window is really only going to be two or three years before everything kind of does fall apart. And I think, you know, the, 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 the thing to play out Frank's point a little further too, is part of the problem is also just the, the, to be fair, the win now kind of atmosphere of the NFL of like two mm-hmm. to three years and you're done because you can take two or three years. And I feel like one of the things that would happen is like you'd hire a defensive coach because the defense was bad. He would spend two or three years fixing the defense. By the time he did that, he, the offense had gotten worse and the defense maybe wasn't quite there yet, but he got fired. Then the offensive guy would come in and he'd have a bunch of good defensive players, but no good offensive players. And I think that's right. just to a certain extent, a result of the cap. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's the quarterback is the shortcut. Everything else is kind of just luck. Unfortunately, I, I think, think just to piggyback on that, if you look at a team like Seattle that does have a good quarterback, they really haven't been into the last couple of years. I mean, their window was kind of a couple of years. It's not that they can't get back into it. Um, and they're in a better position to do so because they have a, a good quarterback. But even teams like, I mean, New England is and Pittsburgh are like the ones that are always in it. And even then, they, they're not like, um, but you know, they, they, they won it every year. That's for Pittsburgh sure. Pittsburgh can be up and down. Same with Green Bay. Some years they're in it, but even other years, Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta, right. for example. So, I mean, even having a good, I think a good quarterback 
keeps you in the conversation longer unless you have basically Tom Brady or a handful of other people. It's, it's not a guarantee, though. Right. It's, no, it's, it's not. Shortcut. Right. Philip right. Rivers in San Diego or in Los Angeles is a good example. I don't think they've made the playoffs in what, about four or five years. And they mm -hmm. have a, still a really good quarterback in Rivers. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say, and that's the, the – the, the the danger you you take going through this cycle and you both guys both point out great great parts of this process and why it's so difficult to maintain a winner new england tends to be the exception i think also because they have great coaching but mm -hmm. uh, do this on maybe next new england patriots podcast which we'll never do so we, that was a great twitter question by b janks we'll go right into the the Twitter questions and Scott can pull up the uh, Facebook questions or Frank can pull up the Facebook questions. Oh, I pulled it up and it was only the one comment and I've already read it while you were off the, oh. I used it to kill time while you were reloading. That was a good, good decision. So we answered, uh, the Jenks, uh, Matt Caruso, Peterman Anderson, or Frank Reich, any chance he changes sides on Sunday, like coffee black at the end of semi pro. Wow. I'd forgotten semi pro. Remember that movie? Yes. Um, That's yes. They invent the Andre 3000 who is coffee black. Yes, it was Andre's. Yeah, that was I saw that at the theater way back, back when. It would be great. Jackie right? Moon, I'm a wrestler bear. Frank Reich would be, uh, you know, just he's he's this close to being the second most tenured quarterback on the Bills roster. If he does that, who would be active Sunday? Assuming Anderson, since he's only been with the team for a week. So yeah, it's it's an ugly situation. Uh, Orlando asked a few questions. He said, "So, are you saying our offense is atrocious?" Yeah, I think we've already addressed that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Bills picked the wrong Josh. Everything about Allen from college said he would be a horrendous QB. McDermott and Bean went gutalytics. They got him QB rather than by the numbers. Sorry to say I'll be looking for a QB all over again. And, you know, we, we addressed that in, in a good amount of detail as well, and we still don't know the answer. But, yeah, it's it's not looking great at this point because we haven't seen the prod's progress or the, the real development we wanted. And unless they can work that, they can take this unique physical specimen and turn him into a good NFL quarterback, you're exactly right with me. Starting all over again. So, ah, sorry. I'm just reading jokes. But yeah, me too. I just saw that. That was good, Scott. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, to answer the uh, BJ's first part of the question, yeah. I I think that they would be better off with Anthony Lynn, but I also think McDermott would be better off if he had, you know, Philip Rivers as a quarterback. So, you know, yeah. six of one half doesn't know the other. Hard to, hard to say exactly what the deal is there. I think they'd be better with Lynn, too. I don't think they'd be dramatically. I don't think they'd be 5-0 and with him. Right? I think the biggest thing that I would think about with Lynn, I mean, and I won't say that McDermott is a, isn't doesn't have some value as a coach because I think he clearly does. Like, the defense mm -hmm. has managed to put some things together here. But at least with Lynn, he would have had a bit more familiarity with all the personnel, and he maybe would have not done the complete roster churn that we've had to go through in the last yeah. few years. And maybe that puts us in a little better position just do you in terms of the depth. Do you think if we're having this season last year, we're nearly as down? It's it's because there was success, right? right. Like if we're having this season last year, it's like, okay, fuck it. We're just we're out of it. Um no, I think it's because they're I think I'd be feeling I think the biggest thing for me is how they're mishandling this whole Allen Peterman quarterback. Yeah. They've blown this big. You're right. Yeah, and I feel like that would be bothering me no matter what season this was and or what we okay. did last year, like to a certain extent. I I think I might agree with that. Okay, sorry. Thank you. That was my question from Twitter. All right, and then yeah, Orlando just talked about Alan's accuracy, which we addressed as well. So thank you to everyone on Facebook and Twitter. It was a very 
quiet first half on Twitter on the feed on uh, Sunday, and then Batman, the second half at the end of that game, uh, things went crazy. And also a shout-out to Lorenzo Alexander, who actually liked a random joke I made. And it wasn't my best joke, not that that's a, you know, there really is a best joke. But uh, he'd... He just made a spectacular play, and I noted 84-year-old Lorenzo Alexander remains one of the Bills' top defenders uh, because he's, of course, like 35. 24 likes, so thank you, Lorenzo, for taking my one random bad joke and making it go the B-Bills M&Y version of viral. So hope, that, uh, hope he's enjoying the show because, obviously, he's a big big fan he, of He's a, a big listener of the show, but I, it was mm-hmm. great to hear from from Lorax, as, as they call him, and I, I promise, uh, you know, we'll try to interact a little bit more with our uh, – our, our friends from the team, our Bills captains. We'll see if we can get LaShawn to say something to if us. He had, if he had run that interception back for a touchdown, he would have made three stars. Sorry, Lorenzo. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, won the, maybe won the game, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> I mean, oh, so much traffic. here, friend. All right. So There's... I'm going to, you guys ready for some of uh, this day in Bills headline slash history? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All yes. right. Awesome. I have. I've closed many of the games I had open, which is you guys probably saw me doing when I had my camera accidentally left on because I was trying to uh, minimize the amount of bandwidth I'm using here. But still, we have, you know, you will have your chance, Scott, at the end uh, to make a to make a guess about one specific player. So get your brain point. Let's go over nine other quicker questions and see who can guess these correct answers. So we'll go back to. 2015. Mm-hmm. Headline is blank relishes his second chance with Bills, and he says it's unbelievable, man. He said of Rex Ryan's support, it just took me in, and it's like we never lost a beat since we was at the Jets together. So it's been great. It's been a blessing having him, and how he took me in so quickly. So 2015 oh. with Rex Ryan with the Jets. Um, I want to say. Uh, linebacker. I want to say it was a defensive player and an older player, and I can't think of who it is. Um, obviously not a quarterback or a lineman. Can't think of a wide receiver. I'm gonna say like, like I want to say it's David Harris, but that's not David Harris because he was never on the Bills. Um, I want to say it's Cromartie, but he was also never on the. <laughs> Since you're, uh, the, the guessing might be winding down, I will give you the hint that will make you both get it, even if you don't remember the name off the top of your head. If he knew you couldn't guess his name, he might punch you in the face. Oh, I can Penali. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to. Yes. Yeah. All right. 2014. This player, a Buffalo-born wide receiver says agent did his job asking about a trade. It was a guy who said, when I go through practice all week long and I find out Saturday I'm not playing, it was a big shock to everybody. My agent just did his job looking for a trade. I'm still here. It's my hometown playing for the team I want to play for. Hmm. 2014, huh? 2014, Buffalo-born wide receiver. Yeah. What's his name? Um, David Nelson? No. No, he's not Buffalo-born. It was like... Brown, like Chad Brown or something, I want to say. Sounds like a name of a guy. Yeah, let's go with Chad Michael Brown. Uh, now, what's Scott, what's your default rule for oh. what you should guess in these situations when you don't have a name? 
Oh, Mike Williams. Williams, yeah, just guess Williams. Mike Williams is the correct. Uh, ah. Correct. <clears throat> okay. 2013, after the Bills pick up this quarterback, he says, I'm ready to start digging into the playbook. Fun fact, he never played a snap for the Bills, so the game the three of us went to together, the fans behind us were chanting for him after Jeff Trump. Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn. Very good. Put in Flynn. <laughs> All right, we're going to have a theme here. We're going to go to a 2011 game where the Bills lose to the Giants 27-24. They were, you know, 4-1 and going into the game. This Buffalo-born wide receiver scored his only career touchdown in this game. Um, Mike Williams. <laughs> TJ Oshie. TJ Oshie? TJ Oshie, the Caps. It was uh, TJ Yates? <laughs> it, is the, it is presidential themed in that the last name is a multiple president, Roosevelt. Naaman Roosevelt. Got his uh, own. You know, this was the game where Fred Jackson had an 80-yard weaving run for a touchdown and fits for the two late interceptions. It was a painful game. Um. <laughs> In 26, oh, I forgot 2016, that the Bills had also played a game on this day that they won 45 to 16 over the 49ers. Can you name any wide receiver that caught a pass in this game who also caught a pass for the opposing team at some point during their career? Jerry Rice? Marquise Goodwin? Marquise Johnson. Is an answer. Marquise caught two passes for the 49ers and his uh, caught passes as well for Buffalo. And then we have uh, Jerry Johnson was one answer you could have given. And then you also could have said, I would have accepted Rod Streeter. Shout out to Rod as well. Broke his neck, but he's going to be okay. Not paralyzed or anything like that. Despite the sirens going by. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Apparently they're going to save him right now. Right. As a when I'm the one talking, I can't mute it when the sirens yes. go by. So I hope everyone enjoys that. And, you know, that's not a sound effect. All right. 2008. Defensive tackle blank. Back with Bills after failing physical. He says, I don't think anything I say is going to lead to anything positive. Was that John McCargo? It was John McCargo. Yeah. And then had to be returned. McCargo. <laughs> Brown's yeah. McCargo <laughs> blog update. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I remember that we exchanged texts about that back then. Yes. 2007, guess the Bills game. Warner Home Video, the National Football League, and NFL Films announced through a press release they will release two must-have titles this holiday season of the NFL's greatest games, one featuring the 1985 Bears and another featuring this Bills game, Who is which, which Bills game got the National Football League greatest games treatment. Oh, it's got to be Bills Oilers. Bills Oilers, very yeah. good. Yeah. All right, 2004, Bills activate blank off-practice squad. Hint, it's our third Buffalo-born wide receiver – of the day says he's a good inside guy and has good instincts said coach mike malarkey paul demansky that is correct you will never guess this so unless scott has a guess i'm just going to chime in with the answer which Omar is batten that could could be right we we will never know no it's it's drew haddad it's so two oh, two university no. of buffalo guys who played for i remember the drew haddad okay and we actually played for uh, the colts for a while too we yeah. to cut him so he did have an nfl career after the bills um, also, what's hilarious is this week in 2004, the game being previewed in the headlines was the 0-5 Dolphins against the 0-4 Bills. And the Bills, of course, finished that year 9-7 and missed the playoffs only because that loss against the Steelers. I forgot 
That's that old also because of the Owen Four Star. Yes, nine two after that before that Steelers loss. I forgot they had a stretch where they won nine of eleven. That was yeah, crazy. That was the cheeseburger year. Yes. All right, two thousand two. Blank named offensive AFC AFC Offensive Player of the Week in road victory against Texans. Uh, road victory against Texans. Travis Henry. Travis Henry, very good friend. Yeah, good guess by me. On fire today. I All was right. going to say Travis Henry. I'll give Scott the point then. Scott gets points because he was going to say it. Yes. That's how it works in this world. All life, right. life is fair, kids, just so you know. Yep. All right. So we have one more minor one and then the master trivia question. 2000, this is the tough one. Blanks TD, a lineman's dream. The Bills' second touchdown was bizarre as running back Jonathan Linton fumbled into the end zone when hit by former Buffalo safety Mike Dumas with center blank recovering. That's first touchdown I've scored since I was in sixth grade and caught a long bomb in the backyard, he said. All my life, I was doomed to be an offensive lineman and not touch the football unless I hiked it. Can you name the spill center? We did Dusty Ziegler last week, and I think one of you might have guessed this guy who was the center the next year after Ziegler left. Oh, this I, I Scott Trey guessed Teague. it. Trey Teague. Teague was a good guess, but uh, nope, different, uh, different guy who came up. Uh, I'll give you the first name, Jerry. Hughes, Ostrowski, Falwell. Ostrowski, there we go. Scott got Ostrowski. Well done. O'Connell. Yep. Right. So that was, that was the headlines for this day. We're going to go back to one more game. This is the master trivia question. So this is all this the other one. answers don't matter. So if Scott gets this right, he still beats Frank, even though Frank got most of these right. So go back to 2005, Bills versus Jets. Bills were, I think, like a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. They were a favorite in this. Maybe it was only a three-point favorite. I've had to close all my windows again due to the Zooling. Mm-hmm. But starting this starting lineman during this Bills victory had two holding calls. He would, in the near future then, be replaced as the in the starting lineup by a guy who started this game at tight end and actually caught a pass. So can you name this Bills lineman? who eventually lost his job to the person who started tight end, who was a starting tight end during this game. Please give me the the year one more time. 2005, the first year we watched games together. So we watched this victory. I'm going to say Jonas Jennings. Jonas, yes. That's a good guess. I'm going to say... Yeah, Robert Royal's not a lineman. But I'll say him anyway because he might have started tight end and then pushed into duty. But it's wait, are we trying to get the we're trying to get the guy that the tight end eventually replaced? Correct. Yes. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry, I thought I was trying to get the tight end. Yeah, because I, I assume the tight end is Peters, right? Am I? It's, yes, I will give Scott gets credit for that. Tight end was Jason Peters, who was targeted twice in this game and caught a pass for four yards. How about Lang- How about Langston Walker? He was after. He was after. Okay, well, I feel like I've named a lineman now, at least. So that's that's good. <laughs> I'll sit on Langston Walker. Yeah, I'll just stay there. <laughs> I'll stay. I'll, I'll, I'll push. I'll Hopefully, I don't zool while Googling this guy. He'd started three years with the Bears, mainly at guard spots, then moved to left tackle with the Bills, uh, then moved to left guard after he failed to left tackle with the Bills in 06. And then oh, 79, he started for the Arizona Cardinals as left it, tackle, 16 games. Those. Was it Valerial? Valerial, you're getting some great guesses in because these are all guys who played on this. In fact, these are guys who started in the lineup that day. Trey Teague started that day. Chris Valerial started that day. Was it Mike Williams? 
was not Mike Williams, who also started that day. <laughs> I got the rest of the line. <laughs> the only you named four of the five people on this line. This is amazing. These are the two linemen you have. In, the only two linemen you have a guest who started this game were Benny Anderson and the correct Benny answer. Benny Anderson. Okay. Benny, Benny. Hill. <laughs> who was the... This is going to annoy me. I have like a whole... I have a whole fake answer ready a great but, like, 106 starts in his career you know so oh i don't uh, i can't Ruben brown nah, that's, <laughs> that's way too guard. i don't know he's left guard he was older yeah i i, I marquita lafayette that was my best that was oh my it's best. a good one you have the the first uh the first letter of the first name correct it is uh uh the mike mike de lafayette gandy Mike, Mike Andy. Yep. Oh my God. Oh. Right. <laughs> you know, funny. He would never have been, I wouldn't have even gotten come close to guessing him. Oh, I, yeah. 30 T started every game for the Bills for two years. He, and he still he, started every game for the Cardinals for the next three years. So I don't did. remember him at all. That's he did. Kind of true average right there. Yeah. You 106 games and you're on the top of no one's mind. That's Completely it. forgettable. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah, that was Mike this day. And, yeah, that was this day and Bill's headlines in history. And I think we're just at the 65 minute mark or so. So we will go right into the previews and predictions. I think I started with Scott last time. So uh Frank, impressions of the Bills Colts game. I will look up the spread quickly. And if the Colts are in favor, there's something wrong in the world. Six and a half. The terrible Colts by six and a half. But unlike last week where I thought the 10 point thread was ridiculous. This one at least makes sense to me. Yeah. And they, um, I, I think that the, the thing that to, to keep in mind about the, the, the game is the bills pass rush has kind of gotten good. Um, and the, the Colts are really an only passing game, but the problem is the Colts are a good passing game and they are a much better passing game than the Texans really. And they so even though they falter in other places and if we had competent quarterback play like this is a game where if josh allen was playing and like he wasn't great but like he wasn't gonna barf all over his shoes um maybe the bills would have a chance if they could play that control football this one's gonna get away from them i i predict a game that will start well for the bills on defense they will ultimately be worn down and by the end of the week everybody who's of value on this team will in fact want to be on another team um <laughs> and so i think that uh i mean to me this is a game that that gets out of hand quickly i think this is like a 24 to 6 kind of football game i don't think the bills get shut out but i don't think i i would not be surprised if they didn't score a touchdown um and there you go now this i don't know i, I don't know i don't really want to say that that changes if, if Derek anderson is in the game or something um and you know what i i would i would probably say that for all his faults, I think Dable would maybe come up with a fun game plan for uh, I don't have a quarterback. Like that seems to be like his Alabama roots, right? Like we don't really have a quarterback, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna run like hell and win this game anyway. So maybe he'll come up with a good game plan, but I don't see a touchdown um necessarily. And uh and he, even if you know Nate Peterman does throw one, I imagine he'll throw three picks. Um yeah, I'll I'll stick with my twenty-four to six. Um, I will say that this game is one that the oh, you cut out at the critical moment, Scott. 
Scott, come back, Scott. We come know back, Scott. There he is. Okay, th you were saying this is. I you were like, I think this is a game the Bills will win. Oh, oh, no. wow. Okay. Yes. Why? I... Justify. Okay, so this is why I think the Bills will win. In their last couple games, the Colts have given up 42, 38, 37, and 20 points. And then also they gave up 34 to Cincy in the first couple weeks. Now, admittedly, our offense is not as good as the Bengals, as anybody. As it's, not, it's barely an NFL <laughs> offense. In the 2004 Dolphins, Scott, so you take yeah. that you know, <laughs> one One offense that this offense is better than. I think some of that might have to do with some of the teams that we are playing who have not had terrible defenses. I think I just feel like this one's got a little bit of a, you know, maybe I record, um, uh, you know, T.Y. Hilton didn't play for them against the Jets on Sunday. Um, I, th I think, you know, there's not, you know, you know, obviously Andrew Luck's a perfectly good quarterback. I just don't know who else is like, playing for them at this point like eric ebron the tight end okay that's fine maybe hilton's healthy enough but i'm not sure but even then like Travius is probably going to be able to handle him um at least not you know get completely i think they had edgar and james and paul justin marvin and, harrison uh, marvin harrison coming back marvin, right. marvin harrison and uh is their backup if yeah. i remember so yeah um, and they don't have anybody on defense who's really going to scare you other than maybe Malik Hooker. So I think that this is a game that the Bills can win. I don't I don't want to get into a shootout with them because obviously that's not going to end well because we, again, don't have an offense. But I could see a way that we could, like, get two or three turnovers and, like, LaShawn McCoy has, like, a good LaShawn McCoy game where he goes for, like, 140 uh, total yards and two touchdowns and the Bills win, like, 23 to 21 or something like that. I could I could see something like that happening. I feel like that's reasonable. That was, that was inspiring when Scott picks the, the Bills to win in a game that uh, they're they're a huge underdog. So I have to laugh a little, Scott. I'm sorry, but you also, in fact, are the person who's most right. So perhaps my laughter <laughs> will be, you know, I will be hoisted on my own laughter petard, but I'm, I don't know, man. I'm 21 points. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a combo pick. Go ahead. Sorry, Frank. I just I can't I, I have they scored twenty one points over the last two games like I guess so but I mean I mean I would say with the defense pick, I think they've scored twenty two or three turnovers so, yeah, or twenty three so they yeah they have to answer your question <laughs> yeah I, I think it's doable okay so yeah, that's that's my, wife, my wife is from Indiana and my my wife's family is Colt fans yeah so they'll stick it to me. They'll 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 realize on Sunday that they're playing the Bills and they'll be like, oh, Frank's a Bills fan, and then I'll, so I'll I'll get all like the late teasing texts, then and I'll have to be like, I you know I honestly don't care what the <laughs> hell happens in this game anymore because everything is on fire between and so, <laughs> two and four Bills and one and five Colts isn't lighting up your Sunday. No, it's not, and so but anyway, but so yeah, anyway. Yeah, I think this is I. This, this Colts offense, though, well, the, Scott's right. They don't have a lot of players, but I, I can off memory, I'm not looking this up, name the Colts starting offense in Tecmo Super Bowl. And it's a lot better than that offense, which I think was Jeff George starting with Trudeau mm -hmm. back up. And then Andre Risen. Uh, no, he was with the, uh, the Falcons. He was with the Falcons at that point already? Okay. And then, uh, 
but it went Albert Bentley and Ivy Joe Hunter in the backfield because Eric Dickerson yep. pulled out in non-techno Super Bowl. And then receiver was Bill Brooks and Jesse Hester with Clarence Verdan as the return guy, and your tight end was Pat Beach. That's about <laughs> what the Bills offense is now. Yes. So that's the unfortunate situation we're in. I think the Colts just have a little more talent. I agree with the turnovers that Scott brought up. I agree that this defense is in good shape. I think whether you start ja, uh, whether you start Derek Anderson or Nate Peterman is like, do you want to start this fold-out couch or this futon at quarterback? I think, you know, where the result's going to be largely the same. I just don't think they're going to be able to put together a lot of points, even with great field position. The optimist in me does think that even though Anderson doesn't know the playbook like Peterman and Allen, because he hasn't been there since the start of the year, he has a better vast knowledge of what plays can be run during an NFL game with his experience. So I hope they go the Anderson route. There's also a sense they could lose the locker room if they start Peterman after his performance last week, but I'm still going to say the the Colts are just in a better position to win this game. I'm going to say Indianapolis. I think the defense holds up. I think they eventually, you know, fold a little bit. I'm going to say 20 to I'll say 20 to 16. I'm going to give the Bills 16 points, maybe a touchdown and three field goals. So, yeah. So that is, uh, yeah, that's our, our pod for uh, for this week. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? No, just tell the people where they can find us. I would love to. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash bbillsmny. You can find us on Facebook, same thing, facebook.com backslash bbillsmny. You can download us on iTunes. You can also find this podcast on the Anchor app. Well, we do not use them to podcast anymore. We do, in fact, host our pods there for now. We'll see. We also, you can find our archives over at the old WordPress page. Uh, just, you know, find that out. You can Google Buffalo Bills podcast. We haven't done this in a while. Yeah, where are we in the rankings? Yeah, let's see. I'm sure we're on, I would guess we're on page two at this point because everyone else is going to another uh, provider that's bumping them up the page. So we are, yeah, we're way toward the bottom of page two on mine. So. Uh, wow, the last one on page two. So don't do that because you're going to get on a lot of other podcasts before ours. So don't Google us. Do all the other things we mentioned. And until next week when we report on the Colts game, this has been Paul. Scott. And Frank. See you, uh, see everyone later.